tell you about it, but I will give you a hint. Uh, it's going to be out of the Bible. It's going to be from the New Testament, and it's going to be based on a book that, uh, that is highly relevant right now, given how the world is seeing the church and how the church is seeing the church. Uh, and so I'm going to unpack more about that in the days ahead. But because I've got this week where I'm planning out, you know, 40 weeks in a new book, uh, I, I try and take some time to just uh, to do to preach on other things while I'm getting the new series ready. So today we're going to be in Psalm 119, verse 105. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible, and and you're thankful that I'm only going to preach a part of it this morning. Uh, and last week when I was at Pastor Brandon's church. I shared a story about Pastor Brandon at the beginning that really ties into this sermon. Pastor Brandon was on staff at our church three years, and then we got him ready and sent him out to launch a church in Rochester, New York. It's going so well. They've got 175 people there on a Sunday morning, and they're just filled with joy. They're meeting at a comedy club, setting up, tearing down. You know, we went through those days together. And they're just filled with joy, working hard. It was so amazing. And so uh, when I was there last week, I started my sermon with this story about Pastor Brandon. And um, so we were at Silver Birch Ranch Family Camp, and they have these great activities for families at Silver Birch. One of the activities is couples can get away at night. Uh, their kids are watched. There's child care. And what you do is you go down to the beach and you canoe out to this little island that's in the middle of the lake. And it's at night. So the sun is like almost all the way down when you're going out there. And you're like, oh, isn't this so nice and beautiful? Like, we're going out to an island. We're going to have s'mores with other couples. We're going to eat dessert. And then after a few hours out there, when you get back in your canoe to head back to shore, it is terrifying. It's so dark. It's like horror movie dark. So one year, Lauren and I did this. And as I was paddling back, I'm like, I wasn't saved when I was in high school. I saw all the Friday the 13th movies. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> and we made it safely to shore, but I got an idea. I thought that would be a great time to really scare somebody as they're canoeing back from the island. So fast forward the next year. It was Pastor Brandon's last year with us before he was going to church plant. And I saw that he and Shannon signed up for that event. And I thought, idea. So I gathered a small group of guys around me, and I said, how would you like to give Pastor Brandon a memorable last encounter at our church? And they're like, yeah. And so I told them the idea, and they were on board. So we went down to the boathouse and put wetsuits on, and we called ourselves SEAL Team 7. And we uh, watched all of them go out to the island. They were having fun. And then right at about the time when we thought they'd be coming back, we waded out into the lake in our wetsuits with our flippers. And then we just sank down to our eyeballs in the dark lake waiting for Pastor Brandon to come by. Our hope was just to, like, you know, drag him into the lake briefly. Like, just very briefly. And we were going to try to not get Shannon wet if possible. Um, but, but we had to, like, kind of make sure we found his canoe. So there we were, just floating, and then we heard him start coming back. And as I was sitting there on the lake, like, this is going to be great. They can't even see us. A canoe raced past my face. And I was like, I can't see them. That's the one thing we didn't think about. So now we're all floating in the lake, and canoes are flying past our faces, and we can't see them. So we're like, abort, abort, we're going to get hit in the head with canoes. So we're like flipping toward the shore, but we kind of still want this to work. So a few of the people saw us, and they're like, oh, someone's in the lake. We're like, shh. And then we're like, where's Pastor Brandon? And then someone looks down at us, and they're like, oh, he canceled last minute. He's back in his cabin. 
Of course he is. He's asleep back at the cabin because he didn't want to go. And we're floating in the lake trying to give him a memory that he'll never forget. The nerve. <laughs> now, what a funny story of being out there trying to, you know, trap somebody and trick them and, and you know, like drag them into the lake or scare them or something. Now, now that image of being in like really terrifying darkness and someone's out there that's waiting to try and get you, that's the whole picture in this psalm. This psalm happens at night, and this psalm happens when somebody is feeling like they're, they're outside at night walking forward and someone's trying to get them. That's the whole premise of this psalm. So we're going to get into it together. Let me pray first, and then we'll read from this psalm. Father, thank you for the book of Psalms, for the, the hymn book of the Old Testament. And this is really a song. This is something that the Old Testament saints were able to sing from their hearts. So my prayer is that you would help us in 2020 to have the same resolve to follow you in your word that this psalmist had that we're going to learn from today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. In Psalm 119, verse 105 we find one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I want you to jot this down in your bulletin because here's what the whole sermon is about today. Resolve to apply God's word in 2020. Resolve to apply God's word in 2020. Resolve means determine, commit, uh, resolve to apply God's word in 2020. The picture here is of someone holding up God's word as if it's a lamp, as if it's a light. So this is happening in the dark. This person's in the dark and they're holding God's word up as the lamp and they're following God's word on, in, on a dark night through a path filled with danger. That image should be your path in 2020. There you are. What are you doing? Following the light, following the lamp. Obviously, this is not talking about your body or your physical eyes. It means that the, the picture is you live in a dark world, and how are you moving forward? You've got God's Word right out there as the lamp that you're following, and, and it's lighting your way. That's how careful you are uh, to follow it. Resolve to apply God's Word in 2020. We first get a reason why through this image. Because your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So jot this down. Because it will light your way in the darkness. Resolve to apply God's word in 2020 because it will light your way in the darkness. This answers the question, why? Why should I follow God's word? And the question is answered with a metaphor, with, a, with an image, with a picture. The reason that you and I should follow God's word in 2020 is because it will light our way in the darkness. We are making effort to stay on the trail by following God's word through a very dark world. How many of you have been to Starved Rock before? And you've walked the paths and seen the canyons and everything. Well, one story I really like to sh share that I've never forget. And here's a picture when we, uh, we would take our family to Starved Rock. We'd go to this little canyon there. Uh, and we were there just exploring. Kids love nature. And then there were some people up there at the top who would peek their heads over uh, and just kind of look into the canyon. I was like, huh, I wonder how they got up there. And I didn't think too much of it. But then a ranger walked up, and he looked up, and he shouted at the top of his lungs, Get back on the trail! And then everyone who was up there looking like turned around, and they just disappeared. 
And apparently they had either you know, gone under a fence or around a sign or whatever. There was a warning, stay on the trail. They didn't listen to it. And there they were getting a better view. And the ranger yelled at him, get back on the trail. And then he looked over to us and he said, I've picked up kids dead down here. And he said, stay on the trail. And we did. <laughs> we did. Yes, sir. We saw the sign. But then when we heard this warning filled with an authoritative voice, we were like, yes. And this picture here of someone having God's lamp to the feet, having God's light for the path, trying to stay on the trail, trying to stay on the trail. That's, that's like God saying to you, stay on the trail. Here's how. Stay on the trail of my word. Don't get off the trail. This is a divine light for your soul. This is heaven's direction. The sight is through God's directing. This is not a psalm about specifics. So this psalm won't tell you what car to buy. This psalm won't tell you what job to take. But it will tell you the principles that you should abide by in your whole life. Uh, it's more like a, a compass and less like a map. You're following it. And there's not necessarily markers on the ground, but you're, you're following God's word. And therefore, you're getting where he's leading you, staying on the safe trail. So let me ask you this. If God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, do you yet have a Bible reading plan for 2020? I'd love for you to have a commitment to stay in God's word this year. And I'd love for you to tell someone, a mentor or your spouse or your small group, hey, I have a plan. And I'd love for you to be able to say, here's my plan. In Deuteronomy 17, the Bible said when a king uh, would be installed in the future, Moses said the rule was when a king was installed, he was instructed to copy uh, the, the law, the whole law, which back then would have at least been the Pentateuch um, and then more. So the guy had to sit down and, and copy the whole law. And then it said that he might meditate on it daily. So this idea of having a daily devotion with, you know, a, a, your own copy of the Bible is very ancient. And goodness, if God wants the king to be having his devotion, hey, first you start with me every day, how much more does he want us to actually have our own copy of God's word and to actually be in it on a daily basis? Here's some possible goals that you can set this year. I'll put them up on the screen. You can choose to read through the Bible in a year. I don't do that every year, but I'm doing that this year. So we actually have a chart at the connection table that you can pick up where it just has all the books of the Bible with the chapter numbers, and then you just check them off while you read them. And reading through the Bible in a year isn't as hard as you think. You just read through three or four chapters a day. Uh, benchmarks would be it's about 100 chapters a month because there's about 1,200 chapters in the Bible. Um, and then, you know, if you fall behind, what I do is I just get the app, the U version Bible app, Y-O-U, the U version Bible app on my phone. And then when I go on a trip where I'm, you know, at the beach, you can listen to the Bible using that app. You can get through 5, 10, 15, 20 chapters, you know, just sometimes on a car ride. So I would challenge you, if you've never read through the Bible in a year, or you feel like it's time to do that again, set that goal. You could memorize a list of verses, or maybe you've never, uh, maybe you want to memorize an entire Bible book, you know, pick a short one, uh, you know, Titus or Philemon or something, but yeah, challenge yourself. You can study the Bible using a study Bible, or you could buy an ESV study Bible, or you can buy a commentary. Let's say you want to spend the whole year in Isaiah. You just buy a few commentaries. Those are scholarly works on Isaiah, and you could uh, search the internet for good ones. But Also, there's a book called The Harmony of the Gospels. 
that puts all four Gospels together in a way where you could read what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all said as one flow, read the story of Jesus' life in chronological order. Anyway, I'd love for you to have a goal. So set a goal this week, write it down, and then tell a leader, tell a spouse, tell a friend. Say, hey, I have a plan because I want God's word to be my lamp. I want it to be my light, so I have a plan. Resolve to apply God's word in 2020. How? Or why? Because it'll light your way in the darkness. Next, jot this down. This is kind of a how and a when question. Resolve to apply God's word by doubling down when life is hard. By doubling down when life is hard. The psalmist goes on to say this. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I'm severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Did you hear that? Severely afflicted. Severely afflicted. That tells you what won't happen when you follow God's word. What won't happen when you follow God's word is your problems won't all go away. Your children won't become perfect little angels. Your cars won't run forever, right? This guy's trying to apply God's word and he's got severe affliction. I'm severely afflicted. Give me life. So he's despairing even of death. O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will praise offerings, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. Do you hear the resolve? Uh, severe affliction, but I do not forget your law. That's that, it's resolve. And what he's doing is he's doubling down when life is hard. Is that what you're doing? Are you doubling down when life is hard? When should I apply God's word when, I, when I'm suffering much? I don't know what 2019 was like for you. I don't know if it was a hard year for you. If it was, maybe you're perhaps regretting this decision to follow Christ or to follow God's word. Where did it get me? Maybe you're having second thoughts or persistent doubts. And understand that following God's word won't eliminate pain. It's not intended to make your life all perfect. It, sometimes following God's word will lead you into a harder life for a season because God's got work to do in your heart. Um, but are you doubling down when life is hard? Are you saying with resolve, I, I will not forget your law? He says here, I've made an oath. In verse 106, I've sworn an oath and I have confirmed it. He didn't just swear it, he confirmed it. Here's a picture of someone taking an oath. Uh, this is like an associate justice with the chief justice there and and she is uh, making an oath. I solemnly swear. And the person, the psalmist is saying, I committed to follow your law. I committed it publicly. Now, in the New Testament, that would be baptism. When you stood before witnesses and, and before God and man, you took an oath. You committed your life to Christ. No turning back. And we have to remember that we have already decided to follow Christ. We're not deciding in the moment, will I, won't I, today, tomorrow? Now, we're already all in if we've been baptized and we've given our lives to Christ. And we're doubling down when life is hard. I can share with you that 2019 was the, the hardest year of faith for me and Lauren. Um, I've, I've jokingly said to some of our leaders that I feel like in 2019 I was running through a minefield wearing clown shoes. Just... <laughs> Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like, you know, 2019, I, I, I joked with uh, Pastor Mark that 
the last Sunday of the year, we should have a funeral for 2019 up here on stage. And everybody could bring their baggage from 2019, throw it in, and then we'll bury it. Uh, it was just one of those years, right? And severely afflicted. And so God is challenging me to double down. And he's, he's showing me that, hey, even if you're following my word, it doesn't mean life's going to be easy. I remember when I was in Bible school, I took a class on the book of Psalms. And when we got to Psalm 6, I, in my early, I got saved when I was a freshman in college. And I'd read through my Bible at breakfast over my little frosted flakes there, and I'd read through it. And I remember when I was reading through the Psalms, I'd get to some of the sappy Psalms. I drenched my pillow with tears. I'm up all night moaning. And I'd read that, and I'd be like, David is such a drama queen. I mean, like, he's just, get it together. And I, I remember having a hard time with some of those. Like, you know, I guess, what do you expect from a guy who plays the harp? Am I right? But... You know, he's writing these as if, like, he's just crying all day long. And in my psalm class, I, I remember telling the other classmates, you know, when I was at first a Christian, I, I kind of put an X next to, like, Psalm 6 because it seemed like one of the extra sappy ones. And I just, I just kind of, like, X'd it out next to it. David said, I'm weary with moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with, with weeping. And I'm just like, eh, eh. But I could tell you now, I get it. I get it. You know? Often you don't get it until you're in it. You read these verses when you're young and you're like, and then when you're in it, then you get it. And I can tell you, I, I'm in a place where I need to double down when life is hard. And maybe you're there too. Maybe you're there too. I have many heroes in the church. I have many heroes in our church who are working hard for Christ. Many, and but... Last year was a year where I really took notice of those who were suffering well for Christ. People who got bad news, uh, people who lost loved ones, people who, who ended up in a very different financial situation than they thought. And, and I just, I have like these heroes now who are suffering well. These people who are to be commended for their endurance. Uh, and, and I just marvel at that. Uh, often I, I envy when I see in other people their ability to suffer so well given the weight that they're carrying. They're doubling down. Are you doubling down when life is hard? I can't stand the guy who comes up to me and he's like, 2019 was perfect. And I'm like, ugh, nothing went wrong. Ugh, everything turned up my way. And I'm like, I'm going to pray that you get audited. <laughs> and we'll see if it was a good year for you. I want to talk to the person who was all Skittles and rainbows, no trouble whatsoever. It's like, ugh. And I, I want to see the person who followed Christ through the fire, right? And they're, and they're more fired up than ever before. That's who I want to talk to. Are you doubling down? No turning back. The psalmist is asking for it. He says here, I've sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I'm severely aff afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. This person is still praising. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord. So free will offerings is what the Israelites would give after their tithes and their offerings and everything was done. Then they would give a free will offering on top of it. Um, so it would be like here, you, you, know, you fulfill your general fund, your building fund, and then you kind of give something benevolent or on top of it just because you love the Lord. Uh, and they would then often couple that with that's what their worship was like. They feel like they've done what they had to do, but now they're offering free will praise. Like church is done, but, but I'm still going to sing more to God. This person's still singing. I hold my life in my hand continually. It just means that it's really a life and death situation here, but I don't forget your law. 
forget. Often we forget. We forget what God has said, and that's why we get into trouble. What an example we're getting here. Resolve to apply God's Word in 2020 because it'll light your way in the darkness by doubling down when life is hard. Jot this down. By refusing to let difficult people derail you. By refusing to let difficult people derail you. What is it that's making this psalmist's life so miserable? Well, he tells us. Verse 110, The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. So there are people in his life who are out to get him, laying a snare, laying a trap. There are people out there in the darkness who are trying to trap me, trick me, push me over. We're not sure if what was happening was the psalmist was doing what was right and these people were going to make him pay for it. So like when Daniel was doing what is right, remember that story? He was praying to God and he decided to keep praying and that's what got him in trouble. Staying on the trail got him in trouble. So this psalmist might be wrestling with, boy, there's a trap on the trail and I can't avoid it. Or the, the trap might be to pull the person off the trail, a distraction or a lure or a call or a something, bait, to, to get this person to turn and leave the trail. That might be the trap. We're not quite sure. We will face both traps. We'll face the trap of, if I stay doing it God's way, I'm going to get pounded. And we'll also face the trap of, oh, there's another trail over there. That one looks fun. Both of them. We'll face both of them. When I think of a snare... It says here, the wicked have laid a snare for me, a trap. Here's a picture of a trap. <clears throat> it's a trap. Imagine walking through a dark forest and somebody put that out. And you're like, oh, I better keep my light on. Oh, I better, I better keep going the way that I'm. And there's a trap, you know, that's just waiting to, to get you. And the idea of being trapped is frightening, is terrifying. And boy, does Satan know how to spring a trap. I don't know if you felt this before, but there are times where something happens in life, and as things come together, you're like, this is all working out a little too good. Like, like it seems like there's something here that's been orchestrated to really take me off of God's plan, to lure me out, or, or there's something really painful coming that's making me want to stop. And, and you just feel like there, it, it seems like it's being orchestrated. It seems like it's more than just circumstances. It seems like I'm being trapped. Have you ever felt that way? There are times we're in a relationship, you know, I just feel like I walk into a room and I'm like, whoa, there's like C4 all over this situation and I feel like I don't know which wire to cut because it seems like the whole thing's about to blow up and I feel like I'm being trapped. I feel like I'm being set up right now. Am I the only one who's experienced that where you feel like I'm not sure how to get out of this without... There are traps and usually it's with relationships. We're going to be baited in relationships to get off of God's Word. Have you ever seen the program Bait Car? How many of you have seen that program Bait Car? What they do is they get a car and they take it to a neighborhood where cars are getting stolen and then they kind of leave the door open and the person like runs inside like they forgot something and then they just let people walk by the car and they're like, oh, it's usually a good car and they got cameras everywhere but the person doesn't know it. They're like, oh, it's bait. Oh, and then often one, two, three, four people jump in the car. And they're like, we got it. And they're turning up the radio, taking the car away. When they get about a mile away, the car shuts down. The doors lock and they're trapped. It was a trap. 
The car is a trick car. It's a bait car. It all shuts down and they can't get out. They're not happy anymore. Then the helicopter comes up over and then four squad cars come over and the police officer just walks up to the car. Is this your car? Yes, officer, yes. We've got 16 cameras in there. Uh, you just stole a car. So hands up, off you go to jail. Bait, a trap. And Satan loves to trip, to trap his people in relationships. Hey, are you refusing to let difficult people derail you? Or are you taking the bait? Are you taking the bait? Are you getting off of what God's commands are relationally because of difficult people? When I say springing a trap, you know, this could be anything from the trap of pride, you know, your own sense of entitlement and ego, revenge, lust, self-pity, malice, withdrawal, unforgiveness, greed, folly. All of those can trap you. All of those can trap you and me. How are you doing it refusing to let difficult people derail you? Sometimes you can see it, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you see the trap and you're like, whoa, I'm not even going to... And other times other people have to tell you, no, you are not going to work and saying that to your boss. No. Well, I think he... No, you are not doing that. <laughs> All right? It's going to blow up. You can't... Do other people see it and you don't see it and you have to trust them. We were at the airport and we were flying out to Rochester and, you know, you got to go through security. And in security, they put up all these signs. No explosives, no fire. Like, they really don't want things to blow up in the airport. Am I right? Have they made that clear to us? And then we get our tray and now they're allowing companies to advertise their products on the bottom of the tray. And here's what they were advertising in the airport. Bombas socks. B-O-M-B. Bomb. Bombas socks. And I'm like, could they have picked another brand? <laughs> it sounds like you're saying bomb us. <laughs> we can't upgrade your seat, but we can upgrade your socks. And I was looking at that like, how silly is that? And who's the guy who named a sock after a bomb? I don't get it at all. But that thought of like, they're going to, you know, totally get all this stuff out and then they're going to advertise for bomb socks. I'm like, that should have been filtered out. Adidas? I mean, Under Armour? Who picked Bomba's socks? Sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes in your relationships you're sending mixed messages, right? But the point is, stay on the path. Because if the trap springs, it's going to blow you up. And Satan is really good at putting these things in unexpected places. Refuse to let difficult people derail you. We often make an excuse, well, I'm doing just fine, except when I deal with that person. But it's really their fault. We give ourselves permission to kind of be unbiblical when we're dealing with that person. Where are you struggling with difficult people? Are you struggling with difficult people at home? Is it your family? You know, is it, is it at work? Are those the difficult people? Uh, maybe at church there are some people you've got a conflict with, but where is it? Hey, refuse to let difficult people derail you. I am allowing this lamp and this light to guide my path in my relationships. This is the way. Resolve to follow God's word in 2020 because it'll light your way in the darkness. We've got to double down when life is hard. We've got to refuse to let difficult people derail us. And then jot this down. 
And this is why. This is why it's all worth it. Because God's word leads to eternal treasure. Why? What's the point? I want to give her a piece of my mind. Because look, it leads ultimately to eternal treasure. The psalmist goes on to say this in verse 111. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. There's a few great Old Testament ideas here. The idea of an inheritance just means portion. It's a general term that means my portion, my possession. But the idea of an inheritance in the Old Testament was very precious because if you inherited land, that was land in in God's kingdom, his people. It was the land promised to Abraham. We take for granted today that you can own land, that you can own a house. Back then, you had to inherit it. So when you inherited the land, this was God's promised land. Flowing with milk and honey, it was a portrait of having a place in heaven. So my inheritance here is fused with God's word. He says, your testimonies are my heritage. What he's saying is, he's saying, what God has promised in this book is directly tied to what I inherit from God forever. It's as if he's saying, this is my promise of heaven, right here. This is my promise of heaven, my inheritance forever. God's word leads to eternal treasure. And there are many pictures used in the Old Testament to describe what this inheritance was like. One of them is, uh, like in this own psalm, uh, one, one, like Psalm 119, verse 162, in the same psalm it says, I have found great spoil. So the idea of God's word being like finding great spoil, great treasure, you know, if you couple that with this idea of an inheritance, it's like stumbling upon a mountain of gold. Why would I follow God's word in 2020? Because it's, because it's as if I've stumbled upon a mountain of gold. The, the value of what I find in here exceeds all the gold in all the nations of the world. It's that valuable to me forever. This idea of finding a mountain full of gold reminds me of um, a movie that kind of flew under the radar several years ago with John Goodman and Bill Murray. It's called Monuments Men. And it's in World War II, and there was this group of soldiers that were tasked to go and find all the precious artwork that the Nazis had stolen to find it and to bring it back so they could put it in museums or give it back to the rightful owners. So they're traveling all around finding Rembrandts and Picassos, and, uh, and, and they, they go into this cave, and they go all the way down into this mine, and they find some stuff, but then they're on their way out, and they check one last door. And when they open this one last door, they turn on the lights, and here's what they found. Check it out. They found the entirety of the Nazi army's reserves, a mountain full of gold. And ultimately, when they looked around, they ultimately found plans elsewhere that they had planned to resurrect the Reich again, to hide the money, and then ultimately to fuel a resurgence. But they found the gold and took it back. 
hey, have you realized that this book is your mountain of gold? Have you realized that the deeper you mine into this book, the more precious things you find? Does this book mean all the world to you because it is your inheritance forever? Why would I do it God's way? Why would I do it again God's way? Why would I follow what God says? Why would would I avoid all the fun that the world is having? Because you've got a mountain of gold and a promise forever. The word statutes here means binding force And the word shows the permanence of what is spoken and believed. The statutes of God are permanent. So what do we have here? We have a person who's walking through the dark with a lamp. They are walking with joy, though they are afraid, even terrified of losing their life. They're singing. And it says in 1.12, he's inclining his heart, aiming his heart at God's word. So often we try and Get out of God's word. Like, try and avoid this. and avoid. We're like flinching and turning away and trying to do the least. This person's aiming their heart right at God's word to perform it all. The psalmist is saying, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. This is a lifelong, eternal commitment to follow God's word. Is that your resolve for 2020? Is that your resolve Now understand that this isn't a call to just follow the rules. I like what David Bruskis said. He said this, The Bible isn't a book about a thousand principles to live by. It's a book about one person to live for. And I would just challenge you that when you hear this, this call to make the Word of God your light, your lamp, to follow it to the very end, all of God's Word points to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So committing to follow God's word in 2020 is synonymous with following the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Colossians 2, 2-3, it says this, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches, there's that idea of treasure again, all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom, this is beautiful, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the mountain of gold. When you dig into God's word, you're learning the heart of Christ. Are you resolved to follow Jesus Christ in 2020 by digging into this book and learning what it means to stay in step with him and with the Spirit? Let me ask you this. Have you gotten to a point in life where for the first time you have resolved to follow Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Maybe throughout your life you've never had a binding commitment Maybe you've never made a public testimony or gotten baptized to say, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Maybe you've never gone public and sworn that oath. Maybe the word of God is not the joy of your life, but it's more like another rule, another rule. Hey, let me challenge you. Maybe God brought you here today so you can start this new decade by giving your life to Jesus for the first time. By saying that you want to follow God's word because you haven't had that light in the darkness, because you have been just swept away when life is hard, because difficult people derail you all day long. And maybe you're realizing today that without Christ, you have no eternal treasure waiting for you in the next life. Hey, I would just invite you today to call upon Jesus as Savior and Lord, to say, Jesus, I want you to be my treasure forever. And that starts when you repent, when you, the Bible says you have to repent, which means you're going one way and it's the wrong way, and then you turn around from your sin, you leave your life of sin behind, and then you start following Jesus Christ. 
You can follow the Lord Jesus right now. You don't have to take a class. You don't have to read a book. You don't have to follow a study. All you have to do is repent and say, forgive me. I'm sorry, God, for all of my sins. I want to follow you now and forever, Jesus. Wherever you're at with God, I want to give you a chance to talk to him right now as we close this sermon. So let's close our eyes, let's bow our hearts, and let's go before God in prayer based on what we've heard today. Father, we are filled with joy and delight because of what your word is. Thank you that your word is the lamp to our feet and the light for our path. And for those people who are here today who have been following your word for years, I pray that they would double down. I pray that they wouldn't give up, no matter if they feel like someone's out there in the darkness trapping them or Satan's out to get them. I pray that they would resolve to follow your word this year. Meet us in your word, Jesus, and give us precious time as we read it. Help us to feel like we're mining diamonds and gold straight from your heart. But Lord, for those people who are here today who maybe don't have a track record of knowing you or following you, they feel like they've been walking through the dark. They wonder where you've been all their lives. And they feel ashamed and guilty and unworthy of going to heaven. Lord, right now, I invite those people to surrender their lives to Jesus by saying, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. You can say that in your heart right now. You can say, Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins. I repent. You can say, Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. You can say that in your heart right now. You can testify that what the Bible says is true. You can say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you rose again. Say that in your heart. And you can ask him, Jesus, bring me into your eternal kingdom. Father, I pray that there would be some right here this morning who decide to follow Jesus and who never, ever turn back. And I pray that you would help all of us to walk humbly with our God. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Treasure of greatest praise.